Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast. My name is Gareth Oliver. Thank you for joining us. This podcast, of course, brought to you by Grampians Community Health. This week, I'm speaking with Jess Johns, who is a youth AOD outreach worker. Now, AOD stands for Alcohol and Other Drugs. And we're speaking about the prevalence of alcohol use, other drug use amongst young people aged 16 to 25 across the Wimmera and Grampians region. Uh, Jess speaks a little bit about what she actually does, how she assists people who are looking for help, and ways that people who are looking to get help can do so. Really interesting chat. I hope you guys enjoy it. This is the Community Is That Name podcast, and it's, of course, brought to you by Grampians Community Health. For you, your family, and most important of all, our community. I'm here with Jess Johns, who is a youth alcohol and other drug outreach worker. Jess, thank you for giving up a bit of time today. I know you're very busy at the moment, so thanks for coming on the Communities of Middle Name podcast. You're very welcome, Gareth. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have a chat to you, Jess. Um, haven't had a, a ch- much of a chance to catch up with Jess for a little while, actually, so this, is, this will be good to have a bit of a chat. Jess, before we get into youth AOD... Try to just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the role that you're in, and maybe what was your motivation for, for going down that, uh, that that career path? Yeah, Gareth, like I always knew that I wanted to help people. I just didn't know what that would look like. So I did some study and gratefully accepted a student placement with Grampians Community Health. I started off in the family violence team um, as a case manager and quickly found my passion for cancelling. So more of a therapeutic approach rather than case management. So, yeah, I moved into family violence cancelling, did that for a couple of years and then found my niche, which was working with young people in the alcohol and other drug field. How long have you been with GCH, Jess? Um, So coming up six years I've been with GCH. Okay, so you've been been here for a little while and I guess in that time you would have got to see... um well, you said you worked in the family violence area. You've probably seen different bits and pieces of, of the organisation. How have you found going from family violence to, to youth AOD? Was that a big transition or was it something that you sort of took to fairly easily? Um, I think that it was a pretty easy transition. Um, sometimes family violence can be really traumatic, um, some of the stuff that us workers as well as victim survivors have to go through. So it probably was an easier transition to move into something that wasn't so in your face um, and working with young people as I identify myself as I'm still a youth. So working with people around my age and yeah, being able to really relate with them, it was yeah smooth transition. I might just, just touch on that point a little bit more. Just how do you, how much of an advantage do you think that is for yourself being a younger person um, working with, because you work with people mainly aged 16 to 25, don't you? Yeah, correct. Yep. So is that, is that a, you know, a real advantage. Do you think that that breaks down barriers and, you know, an old bloke like me perhaps coming in and, um, and trying to talk to, to a young person about alcohol and other drugs? Yeah, absolutely. I think that times have changed. So something that maybe my parents grew up in, the culture of drinking and substance use then versus now is very different. Even just sort of understanding their lingo, um, understanding what happens in the world now and 
how easy it is for young people to access substances, whereas it, yeah, wouldn't have been like that years ago. Jess, can you give us a bit of an overview about what you actually do in your role? What's what's the stuff that you actually uh, do? How how far and wide do you go with your job? My job involves case management as well as a cancelling approach. So I am a qualified cancellor, but we do sort of focus more on the outreach component. So being able to physically help young people with some of the things that they need in order for them to focus on their alcohol and other drug goals. So um, some things that I generally help with include um, admissions into detox and rehab facilities. I often I have a detox of choice, so um, that's Table House in Ballarat. So, yeah, getting them down there, getting them ready for detox, whatever that may involve. Focusing on education around alcohol and other drugs, how it affects the brain and the body. Looking at triggers, so some of the things that might make people use and looking at positive coping mechanisms, things that they could do instead, um, as well as relapse prevention. So, yeah, identifying the triggers and putting strategies into place to reduce the likelihood of a relapse. So um, we also focus on goal planning. So if a young person really wanted to go and get their licence or get a job or something like that, um, that's something that I can definitely help support with. So what would be the, uh, we spoke last week with Kate Asprey about intake. So when someone comes in from intake and, and they send them your way saying we've got this, this young person here who's got issues with substance abuse, what are the steps that you take when you are maybe making first contact with that person and then working with that person and how long is it normally or is there not really a, a set time frame for how long you work with a person? So, yeah, when a young person comes through intake and then is referred to me, I like to do face-to-face appointments, but obviously with COVID and that sort of thing, it is a little bit difficult. But I try to make my first appointment a face-to-face appointment just to build some rapport, Um, get to know the young person, they get to know a little bit about me. Um, And I start off by doing some therapy goals, so getting to know their situation and some goals, things that they want to get out of therapy, so whether that be reduce their use, whether that be go to detox. I meet them on their level and we go from there. GCH works from a harm minimisation perspective. So it's looking at reducing the harm that the substances or alcohol do to a young person, their family and the community as a whole, rather than focusing on a complete abstinence approach, like no use at all. So it's really good. It's Australia's best practice to focus on harm minimisation. So, yeah, it's good to meet them where they're at and help them and support them and walk alongside them to achieve what they want to achieve. You talked about harm minimisation and and you also spoke earlier about how different it probably was back in your parents, my parents' time. In regional areas, especially in Western Victoria, it can tend to be a little bit more conservative in the general public. How do you find when you go into someone's home, especially someone who might still live with family, and you talk about harm minimisation rather than that, complete abstinences. Do you ever have much pushback against that or do you find people are generally pretty accepting of it? Um, I actually find that there is a lot of stigma around harm minimisation. Um, for instance, like my grandparents, it's not something they believe in. So letting them know, for instance, about the needle syringe program that we run, so providing drug users with clean, sharp needles to limit the amount of passing on diseases and damaging their veins by using blunt needles. 
my grandparents just couldn't wrap their head around it. Like, why would you provide a drug user with a needle? But, they, yeah, they just couldn't quite understand that it's the safest approach, giving them a sharp needle and a clean one to limit disease spread. And not just not just that, it's also good for the community as well because if they've got somewhere to take their used needles and they can be disposed of safely, they're not going to show up in playgrounds, for example, are they? No, absolutely, yeah. So it's a, that sort of holistic whole community approach that I think people do have their trouble getting getting their heads around. So Jess, mainly young men, young women, a bit of a mixture of both that you work with? Yeah, I wouldn't say that one gender is more than the other. It's definitely a mix of young men and young young women. And you see more alcohol or more um, illicit drug stuff in your role? Um, to be honest, at the present time, it often changes, but we're probably seeing more cannabis use, um, cannabis dependence, rather than any other drug or alcohol um, at the current time. And that, has that changed much in your time in the role? Um, yeah, there's sort of different spikes, I guess, depending on availability. Like COVID had a big impact on what um, young people could get their hands on. Um, so sometimes in the region we see spikes in heroin use or methamphetamine use. But cannabis seems to be a pretty common drug um, among young people. Uh, what about alcohol? What's what's happening on that front? Because it's, it's, alcohol's a really tricky one because it can be so damaging to the body especially to young people and to their brains but it's uh it's, it's almost part of this, uh, our identity as a, as Australians to smash into a few drinks on the weekend or a few too many on the weekend do you see much of that in your role with young people yeah absolutely um binge drinking is something that we see quite often um when i said before cannabis use being the primary drug of concern um, I said that because that's something that they want to work on. So when we go through what their use looks like and um, some, some of the goals that they want to achieve, we do speak about other substances that they might use, but alcohol is usually something that they're not willing to work on or don't see as a problem, whereas the cannabis use is something that they want to either cease using or reduce on. But, yeah, you're right, it's something that we've grown up with. It, it's accepted and people don't understand that it's probably the most damaging drug on the market. Like if you look at the effects of methamphetamine versus alcohol, and, and alcohol is legal, It's yeah, sometimes it's a bit crazy. Yeah, and do you think that's why maybe the young people you work with don't have as, you know, as much drive to deal with any issues relating to alcohol because of that social acceptance? Yeah, I think so. Like even looking back at my own childhood, it's not something that was really drilled into us. Like there was all those scary... Um, scare tactic campaign ads on TV about meth, not even once. But they didn't put, yeah, like a 10-pack, a not even once. It's Yeah, it's just not something that's focused on in our society. Yeah, I remember that that uh, meth ad that you're talking about, actually. And, and look, I was probably, even though I'm, you know, like I said before, I'm, a, I'm an old bloke now, you know, that was just a thing you'd do on the weekend. You'd, your parents would often go and buy you six-pack maybe or, or a slab for some people. And you'd go out in the weekends, and, and that's just, it was just part of growing up, especially in regional areas like, like um, I'm not sure about yourself, but I, I grew up around here, and it was just part of life. Do you think there's a, a bit of a change in young people's perception of alcohol, though, Jess, or um, do you think it's sort of, you know, still a bit of steady she goes from, you know, previous generations? Yeah, I don't really notice much of a much of a change, but obviously there is a lot more education around it these days and a lot more availability and things like cancelling 
I personally haven't noticed much of a change in yeah how much they're drinking and how often they're drinking and what age they're starting at. So what age are kids starting at like nowadays? Because you hear sometimes when, when the news cycle decides that this is something that they want to pick up on, you hear, you know, kids as young as sort of 10, 11, 12. I, I know you work with older young people, if that sounds strange, 16 and up. But is that where it sort of begins, those sort of um, early high school, late primary school years? Yeah, when I have the conversations with the young people, um, it, it's sort of a tendency to start at around, around age 12. Um, so 12 to 14, I guess it's the tradition from primary school to high school, um, finding their identities, trying to fit in, that sort of thing, doing what their friends are doing, um, regardless of the harm that it might be causing their bodies. Yeah, and we all know teenagers in particular do a lot of risky things that, you know, in older years they probably look back on, myself included, and shake their head and think, why the hell did I do that? But um, that's it's really interesting that you hear that sort of stuff, Jess. When you talk about other substances, illicit substances, illegal substances, what sort of stuff are you seeing? You mentioned cannabis and you said you have spikes in things like heroin and methamphetamine. Is there anything else that, that sort of comes across you in your role that you're seeing some young people are getting into? Um, yes, yeah, so there's a lot of young people that get their hands on um, non-prescribed sedatives, so looking at like benzo, benzos and that sort of thing that people would be prescribed by their GP to help them sleep, to help with their mood, that sort of thing. So, yeah, indulging in things that aren't prescribed to them. They often have a depressant effect, so like slowing down the central nervous system, making them feel calm, tired, that sort of thing. So that's something that I see often. But ketamine is also another drug that's getting more popular um, among young people, as well as sort of looking at LSD, acid, hallucinogens. So, yeah, the drugs that make you see things that aren't there, hear things that aren't there, but that's not really something I see young people becoming addicted to. It's just something that I see them experimenting with. So, Jess, for people like myself uh, who are a bit ignorant about some of these things, what is ketamine and what does it actually what does it do to a person? Ketamine is used by medical practitioners um, and it's a bit of an anaesthetic. Some people dissolve it in liquid as juice or it can come in a powder. Um, and it's something that young people use to get high and it can cause distortion. So, um, hearing things, seeing things, that sort of thing. So coming up as sort of a popular party drug. Okay. Something to, um, to definitely keep an eye out for, I think, for, for people who might be, you know, a bit concerned about this sort of stuff. Jeff, we might take a really short break and we'll be back with a bit more after this. Community is our middle name podcast is proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western Victoria and we cover areas including the Northern Grampians Shire Council, Arrow Rural City Council, Horsham Rural City, Pyrenees Shire, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Central Goldfield Shire, Southern Grampians Shire and the Bullock Shire Council regions. Services available include alcohol and other drug support, Carer support, community-aged and disability support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management. Counselling across a wide range of sectors, including generalist counselling, homelessness support, 
gambler's help, community mental health support, and much, much more. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au, or give us a call Monday to Friday from 9 to 5, 53587400. The Communities of Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health, for you, your family, and most important of all, for our community. Welcome back. I'm here with Jess Johns, youth AOD, alcohol and other drug worker, outreach worker, sorry, for Grampians Community Health. Jess, we've uh, had a bit of a chat before we went on break about what you do when you go and see someone, what you're seeing at the moment in the local community. What's the stats like around, now you're you're based in Horsham, so it's probably going to be mostly around at Horsham or stall-ish areas. What are the stats for youth AOD uh, throughout the Grampians Wimmera, have you got them on hand? Yeah, I do. So um, looking at the 2021 financial year, we were able to support 58 young people. I didn't clarify before that there isn't actually an amount of time we can work with someone. So personally, I would like to teach and help young people achieve a few goals and then them go out on their own and see how they do. Personally, I don't like to keep young people accessing my service for years on end. I like them to go out and stand on their own two feet and really give themselves the credit for some of the things that they've achieved. So, um, yeah, there's no end date or time on the amount, of, amount that they can work with us. So, yeah, 58 young people we supported and, yeah, could have had them for various amounts of time. Do you think that might be a bit more or a bit less because of COVID might have been a bit of a barrier for people wanting to go and either, well, not necessarily wanting to, maybe choosing not to go and get access to services or not being sure how to do it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, it's significantly lower than the amount of clients that we might have supported in the past. COVID's a huge factor with young people. They're not too keen on telehealth or sessions via the phone. They want that face-to-face interaction with a worker and it's even difficult as a worker yourself you you don't get the eye contact um, you don't get the pauses that sort of thing to be able to really delve into the conversation and help the young people but also too that a lot of our clients are mandated so we get young people that are mandated by the courts due to offending to actually do some sessions with us and the courts were backed up, the courts, um, some of the hearings weren't being heard, they were being pushed back, as well as um, GCH is actually part of the Headspace Consortium. So any alcohol and other drug clients that come through the doors at Headspace actually get sent across to um, Grampians Community Health, and that's another thing too there, that whether the doors were open or closed to young people, depending on the COVID situation and yeah, it's just been really difficult for workers, but re- even more difficult for the young people trying to access the services. Difficult for just society in general, I think, for the last two years. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we're past the worst of it, but I guess we'll wait and see. Jess, what are some of the underlying causes that you see that cause young people to uh, abuse alcohol or other substances? Um, the main one that I see, Gareth, is trauma. So trauma throughout their childhood or trauma they endured as a young young adult, so using alcohol or other drugs to escape their own reality. Is that a common thing? 
Absolutely. I couldn't really pinpoint a young person that I've worked with that hasn't had something traumatic happen to them in their life. Um, but we also see experimental use turning into addiction as well as peer pressure. So potentially young people smoking a bong with their friends just to fit in and then finding that it's a coping mechanism for them, even though it's not positive, then they revert to that. It's sad, isn't it, when you hear stuff like that? And it's, it's sad that there's so many young people who've had those traumatic experiences that it, it drives them to, to substance abuse, I think. Absolutely. I think that it's really important in this role to try and help them find purpose, identify their strengths and, and look at their values because um, a lot of people that come through feel worthless, don't really have any goals for their future and potentially have been made to feel like that because of the older people in their life. So when someone comes through like that, uh, and you talked earlier on about setting goals, you must get such a, an amazing sense of satisfaction when you actually see someone reach one of those goals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get a lot of young people just saying, thank you, thank you, thank you for all everything that you've done and the help that you've given me. But I really like to put it back on them that they are the ones that have put in the effort they have achieved their goals. I might have been there to guide them and as a friendly face and someone that was supporting them and in their corner. But at the end of the day, it's their choices and their hard work that's got them to where they want to be. So can you tell us a bit about some of those success stories like you're talking about um, that you, you may have had over the journey? Yeah, so um, one in particular had a, a young girl that I knew in the community come in and she had been through a really traumatic situation um, where she turned to using the drug ice or methamphetamine to get through. She come in and she didn't have a job or have anything really to live for at that point. But um, I actually ran into her down the street one day because she no longer was using my service, the services that we provide, and um, she had a little girl. So she'd had a baby. She was in a positive relationship with someone that really respects her and that she feels safe in. She had found employment and it was just amazing to see that, like I had supported her for around a year or so to achieve her goals, but we don't often get to see what they achieve because when they're doing really well, they disengage or like say goodbye, I don't need the service anymore. So we usually see them when they present at their worst, but we don't get to see the good things that they go on to achieve. That must have been really heartening, though, to see this this young person who has really turned her life around and, and really made something of herself. It must have really made you feel like you've made a real positive difference in this person's life. Yeah, absolutely. I, when I seen her, I, I was just so proud, but I expressed to her that she really should be proud of herself Yeah, because she did everything that she needed to do, like I did assist her in getting her to detox and and that sort of thing. And when she fell pregnant, um, getting her into some of the programs we run here to help with new mums. But she's just thriving now. I, I often pass her in the street like, or catch her in the supermarket in passing. And it's just incredible the way that, yeah, she has turned her life around with just some support. Do you have people come back again and again because they just can't get past their issues? Um, often the young people that are mandated are the ones that keep coming back through the revolving door, which is fine. Um my aim is to teach them something every time that they come to the service. So if they go away with one positive impact or one positive coping strategy and then need to use the service again, that's fine. But I just want to build up their toolkit um, until they're ready to make the serious changes that they need to make. 
Okay, that's a good uh, way to approach it, I think. A house doesn't get built overnight. It's done brick by brick, and I guess that's the way you, you're sort of looking at this. Jess, if someone is concerned about a family member or a friend or even someone uh, who themselves might be having some issues with alcohol, other drugs, and are looking for assistance, what's the best way for someone to actually go about getting that help? Um, so getting help for themselves in regards to dealing with a young person or family member that is the substance user, they can always refer to our intake line um, and speak to an intake worker about linking in with my service. Um, And I can sort of talk them through some strategies that they can use in order to support the person that's using and some positive coping strategies for themselves to deal with some of the things that they might be going through. But it's always important to remember that it's up to the individual that's using themselves to make the decision to to get help. Um, You can definitely give them the number. You can definitely be really encouraging, but it's not until they're really ready for the help. So we talk about it in the stages of change. Um, A lot of people are in the pre-contemplative stage. So that's sort of where they're like, nah, not an issue. Um, I just drink a couple of times a week just to wind down, just not willing to um, own up to the damage that it's actually doing. So it's not really until the action phase of the stages of change where they pick up the phone and give us a call and say, look, it's, it's something I want to address now. If you are a family member or a, or a friend of a young person who is abusing alcohol or other drugs and they don't want to seek help, which is a person's prerogative, what would you say to any family or friends about the best way they could support that young person with the substance abuse issues who's not quite ready yet? to go and and speak to someone like yourself? Um, Just be supportive. I always say that a young person doesn't just wake up and start using alcohol or other drugs. Like something has happened in order for them to choose that way of living. So they're probably going through a lot more than you actually realise or that's come across on the surface. So just be supportive. Try not to push them away. Try not to be so in their face or give them ultimatums or anything like that. Just give them the support, let them know that you're there regardless of what happens. But also, if the environment is unsafe or toxic, it would be worthwhile making a decision to move away from the person um, to keep yourself safe as well. Yeah, I guess that's a big thing, isn't it? It's not only keeping uh, the the person with the um, substance abuse issues safe, but also your own safety as well. Jess, uh, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you'd like to people listening to take away from from this or um, anything else you'd like to to get out there to the to the general public um, just sometimes cancelling is a bit confronting so when you hear the the words cancelling you think oh maybe that's not what I need I don't want to sit in a room and and talk to someone but I just want those that um, feel that they might get benefit out of this program to actually just ring up and give us a go it's voluntary if you don't want to continue sessions there is no pressure Um, No hard feelings, nothing like that. We just want to help in whatever means that is. Whatever we can do to help you focus on your use and reducing it or becoming abstinent, if that's what you want to do, or just learning to use safely, that sort of thing, we will do it. So, yeah, just give us a go if it's something that you're interested in. Yeah, and you can find out more information by calling us on 53587400, speaking to an intake worker, and they'll be able to point you towards someone like Jess, or there's more information available on our website about services such as Youth AOD Outreach. 
Jess, thank you so much for coming on the Communism in a Name podcast. It's been lovely to catch up with you after uh, after such a, a long time. It feels like forever since I actually saw you in person due to all the uh, all the goings on of the last few years. Um, but thank you very much for coming on and, and having a chat. Yeah, I appreciate it, Gareth. Thank you for having me. And once again, a big thank you to Jess Johns for joining us on the Communities of Inner Name podcast. Jess, of course, is a youth AOD outreach worker here at Grampians Community Health and does a fantastic job, as do all our staff who are out there working with members of our community. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by Grampians Community Health, and Grampians Community Health offers a wide range of services across Western Victoria. For more information, go to our website, gch.org.au. Give us a call as well, 53587400. We're open Monday to Friday from 9 to 5. Or you can visit us on site at one of our offices in Stall, Horsham or Ararat. You can also follow Greenpeace Community Health on social media, facebook.com slash Greenpeace Community Health is our Facebook page. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well. If you search for Greenpeace Community Health, we'll put our handle in, which is at GCH Grampians. Andrew Parsons was the man who did the intro and outro music for us. That's an original composition, and we thank him for that. He gave us permission to use that. Thank you again, Parso. Every week I say about how lovely that music is, and it's uh, it's beautiful. Very talented man. And this podcast was, of course, recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabberwong people. And we'd like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present, and emerging. Thank you again for joining us. My name is Gareth Oliver. This is, of course, the Community Is A Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health for you, your family, and our community. And I'll be back again very shortly with another episode. Until then, so long. Mm-hmm.